Welcome to Dragon Talk. How's it going? I'm Greg Tito, and I'm joined by Shelley Mazzanoble. Hi! How's it going? Great, how are you? I am rocking and rolling oh. down the stairs. Whoa, careful. Uh, in tuck a and roll, fall, tuck and roll. Like Gerald Ford, Chevy Chase style. Did you learn that in all of your years of theater training? <laughs> no, it was mostly just by being a uh, class clown uh, and or falling down. Clumsy. Or just clumsy. <laughs> no, it was always on purpose. I would love to do that. I'd be that guy who'd like walk down the street and like run into a pole and fall down. And Wait, you were the class laugh. clown? Yeah, I was class clown. Really? Yeah. You would really fall down to make people laugh? All the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like a common thing. Because I was like, I don't care. I got a bruise or whatever, but I'm used to it. I can deal with it. I got to be honest. What? I think Quinn might be that guy. I think so, too. I think He sh- loves to run into things and fall down. See? It's pure comedy, yeah. right? And they'll be like, was that funny? Is this funny? Is this funny? How about this? Right? Am ooh, I getting... Ooh, ooh, ooh. The timing down. Yes. Yeah. Fiona is like a little uh, Melissa McCarthy. Like she's got nice. like the the comic physical comedy timing. We should get down. these guys together. They should have their own show, dude. Let's Tiny do it. Tiny Dragon Talk. They would just be like poops and butts the entire time. Oh yeah. Because Fiona doesn't say poops as much, but she says butts like crazy. Oh, like, really? Yeah, she's like butts, 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 Yeah, butts. Well, we're still poop, 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 poop. <laughs> See? That's that's their comedy routine. You know, it's, it's comedy It's brown. already funny. I'm laughing right now. It's like brown gold. Brown <laughs> It's like gold, but brown. <laughs> it's tiny little butt treasures. But enough about butt treasures, because we've got an awesome uh, show for you. Coming yes. Down the, coming down the pipe. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, as always, uh, we've got uh, uh, a lore uh, or a segment. Coming down the GI track. Uh, or I talk to uh, uh, Chris Perkins and Matt Cernet about the Gith. Gith Yankee and Gith Zarai. I actually am I'm going to need to listen to that one. Yeah. I'm not going to tell you That's why. the whole point of the lore you should know is because you but need to learn about it. I'm going to extra special attention, but oh, I right. won't say why. For all of your Avalon Hill projects no. that you're doing. Oh. If, I mean, for all of your Dungeons and Dragons characters who are who are Gith, kind of. All right, I guessed it. Pin the tail on the donkey there. Maybe easy. Yeah, no, it's definitely worth listening to because it's uh, it's stuff that uh, I don't think everybody knows, uh, and I'm excited to learn even more about it when Morning Kanan's Home of Foes comes out. Uh, May 28th, it'll be out uh, everywhere with an awesome standard cover uh, by Jason Rainville. And then on May 18th, it'll be available in your local game store uh, with that standard cover by uh, Mr. Rainville. And then a special alternate cover designed by Vance Kelly. So we've heard a lot of people loved Xanathar's Guide to Everything, uh, Volo's Guide to Monsters. They wanted that special edition alternate cover from their local game store. Yep. But couldn't get them. So make sure you communicate with your game store now. To pre-order it. Let them know that you want it. And they'll make sure to order enough. Lay down the bills and get your cover. To get it, because it's good stuff. If your name was Vance Kelly, you kind of have no choice but to be an artist. It's or a really good artist. Maybe name. like a like a like a Skater. recording artist also. Like Vance Kelly. Vance Kelly. Vance Kelly Productions. Yeah, I feel like he'd be like, uh, you know, a, a, like a media mogul of yeah. some kind. Yeah, right. I say you see that. Yeah, or Vance I, I could Kelly Production. Uh, we also have fun stuff coming from our friends Beamdog, uh, who Beam Dog. are making the Neverwinter and en- Nights Enhanced Edition uh, coming out on Tuesday, March 27th, which soon. is just like a week away, very soon. Five days away, really, if you listen to this uh, right when it comes out. Um, also, they have Siege of Dragonspear, which I, uh, I think I've said before, but it's basically like Baldur's Gate 1 and 2. It's in between there, and it's new content. Uh, Baldur's t- Gate 1 in the house? Yeah, 1.5, you might even say. Uh, you can get that on your tablets, on the Google Play Store, or on your Apple App Store. Uh, Warriors Waterdeep is also coming. It's from Ludia, 
It is a free-to-play, turn-based tactical uh, RPG uh, you can play on your phone. Uh, so you'll get tasks from Laryl Silverhand, uh, who rules Waterdeep, uh, as well as trade uh, with a bunch of other people. There'll be 12 classes, 9 races, uh, and it's about like lane combat, really. So like you know, you go one way, uh, and uh, you might be facing an ogre, and he can sweep, you know, tactical lines across. And you want to like set up your your team in the right yes, way so you can fight them uh, and uh, shoot from the back, and you know, have your tanks up front, like that kind of stuff. So you're really thinking about that. But there's lots of like RPG storytelling in there as well. Cool. I can't wait. It will be coming out this uh, this spring. I think is the is is the current idea. Uh, maybe maybe early June. Uh, D&D Beyond. We love uh, our friends at D&D Beyond, and they also have a mobile app available, which you can get on your phones. Uh, definitely can start testing it out right now. It has all of your compendium content that you've got on there, including uh, stuff that you have purchased in D&D Beyond, uh, like the Player's Handbook or Xanathar's Guide or something like that. Uh, they'll be testing the character builder and stuff on the app soon, uh, but for now, That's gonna be cool. you can download this and get all of your content and, and uh, take it in from there. Very handy. Very handy. Never far away from D&D. Exactly. It's like just at your fingertips. Quite literally. Uh, our awesome guest, I wanted to talk about him before we go any farther, uh, yes. Mario Ortegon, uh, also known as El Warius, uh on the various uh, Twitch, Twitters, and social medias, uh, will be joining us to talk about his game uh, from uh, El Paso area, uh, but south of the border. In, in Mexico, cool. uh, which is pretty exciting. Yes. Uh, he's been playing D&D for a long time, and uh, I, I just love to hear more about uh, how it's played in Mexico. Yeah. Yeah. Using, using all the Spanish words that we know, like la playa and biblioteca. Like la leche. <laughs> That's milk, <laughs> right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Is it la? I or think it's la. La, la. la leche. Sounds like a wrestler. It does sound like a yes. like a like a chupacabra. La leche. What's that? What's the Mexican wrestling called when they have uh, the mask on? Yes, uh, it is. Um, help us out, Ryan. Cuba Libre. Something. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. This is the best content. I love them. We always do. When I always we, wanted that to be my Halloween costume. Oh, you should do that yeah, for a Halloween costume. Good. Yeah. That's awesome. I just really want to wear that. We'll all get to, we'll get to our, our interview. We'll call him up on the Skypes pretty darn soon. Uh, but is there anything else you wanted to talk about? Because I think, uh, you know, it was announced uh, a while ago. But, uh, uh, you know, we never really got to talk about Axis and Allies and Zombies. It, it wasn't even, like, a while. It has, it's only been known in the public for, like, a month now. Wow. But we've known about it for a long time. Yes, we've been playtesting. That's right. That's Axis right. and Allies. And zombies. So it's like a quicker version, is what I've noticed. Well, because, well, because all right. So if you know how to play Access and Allies, then yeah, this is you're gonna read one short page of rules and be like, okay, I got it, and you'll just start playing immediately. But yes, there is a little bit of cleaning up of some rules or things that we think might be confusing to right. new players that don't really change the game like wholly. It's just easier. Okay. Just, so in that sense, yes, I think it, it will be quicker, and we do have an intro scenario. Because, um, you know, it, it can be setting up for the game can, can be a little daunting if you've mm-hmm. never played before. And, uh, oh, that's smart. And knowing what to do on your turn yeah. takes a little. So we're, we're kind of making that more intuitive. 
So it takes place in like an alternate history, it's World an alternate War II. History, yes. So there's still, you know, the allies of the, yes. the UK. Yes. No, the, you're not. Russia. No, it's not like Axis and allies are friends, and no. they're now like fighting against the zombies. The zombies are just a whole other threat that you just have to deal with, basically. It's like an obstacle, yeah, that both yeah. sides kind of have to play yeah. with, because Germany and Japan are the two Axis powers. And right. they are just as threatened yes, by yeah. the zombies as you and are. And the zombies aren't loyal to anyone. They're just like zombies. Sometimes they They are, just want brains. They just want brains. And sometimes they inadvertently can help you. Mm-hmm. But you can't just count on them to right. help you. Right. You can't control the zombies. It's but, okay if I... I mean, because it's really important. Because zombies will just pop up, Yes. number one. But yes. number two, you can actually make more zombies pop up. You can. By... Can I tell them, like, an actual rule? That, like, okay. if if... Anytime in battle, if one of your infantry yes. perishes, right. they turn into a zombie right. immediately. Right. And so you can be having a battle that's just, you know, uh, a Russia versus the yes. German forces, and then all of a sudden zombies will appear in the middle of the battle and they will start to With, take casualties. Uh, uh, which you know, is kind of fun like, when you're in someone else's territory. Right. It's like you're, you're it's making a, a, a problem. When you're in your own territory. Exactly. So basically, because of that rule alone, I had to like throw out a lot oh, of my access and allies strategies. It's going to be yes. totally different. Yes. And I, I was never that good at access and allies. So Not as good as is, you are at diplomacy. Oh, <laughs> must you? <laughs> must you? I must. I must. Uh, but yeah, no, so it's totally different. Planes are really good. Tanks yeah. are good. Lots of yeah, infantry. Like, it do, can be good, but it's also really do dangerous. Mess, your whole strategy, though, goes out the window. Yeah. And it just gets a little crazy. And there's like a lose condition that if the zombies take over, things are terrible. Okay, They're terrible. Might have happened in our game. It might have happened in our playtest game. The world ended. <laughs> and we had no, we couldn't save it. I, I think one point, uh, Scott Van Essen, who's doing a lot of the yes. design work in that, walked yes. over to our game and he's like, oh. This you, game's done. You guys are. You guys didn't save the world. <laughs> well, okay. Yeah. We're still trying, though. We still want to. We were trying, but yes, it was funny to walk over to the board, and when it was your turn, or just walk by the board and see like, oh, look at all the zombies now. Yeah. You never really knew where they were going to pop up. What just happened? And they're everywhere. They're everywhere. <laughs> right. So it adds almost like a time oh. limit onto the game. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, I, I I used to play in, in high school the epic long you know first edition uh, Access yeah. and Allies games. Yeah. Uh, it could take a really long time, and now with this, I feel like you could do it pretty pretty fast. Yeah. I feel like if you with any uh, bit of experience, this is like a game you play in an evening. Yeah. 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 So it's gonna cool. be fun. It's definitely going to be added to my rotation uh, um, when people aren't. Now, uh, a game that you wouldn't play in an evening, Betrayal Legacy. That's right. Because you're going to drag that puppy out as long as you can because it is so good. I can't wait to talk to Rob more about that game. I know. We are, we'll get him on the show. Yeah, Rob Daviau, who did uh, Risk Legacy and Pandemic Legacy. Nobody knows Pandemic Legacy. No, nobody nobody's knows. ever heard of that game <laughs> or played it or liked it. Many people, they're being facetious. Many it's people totally like, like the that. best game of the whole world. For me, it started with Risk Legacy, though. I still have I uh, like Risk Legacy. Uh, very fond memories of, yeah. of, of discovery in that game. That so. is how the Legacy genre was started. I know. It's like its own little thing. Yes. I love it. Yes. I want, I want more people to jump into that space. But Rob is definitely the master of it. He is, is the master. Leaving his, because he also worked on the original Betrayal. He did. So it's like, it's, it's, it's like coming home for him. So a whole new world. Wait, no, it's pretty amazing. So if you've ever had any questions about that house on the hill, what are these people doing here? Yeah. Why do they keep coming back? Why is there no floor in this bedroom? <laughs> you will find out. You will find out. It's true. You will find out. So It's uh, so good. 
Anything else going on in the Dungeons and Dragons world, or should we just talk about Avalon Hill games? Should we just Why call this Avalon, we Hill talk? Talk about Avalon Hill talk? We're going to call this Avalon Hill talk. Let's do it. Let's do it. I'm very excited anyway. uh, about um, the fact that Idol Champions has got lots of fun events going on. Yep. Uh, there's one that I think it might be over by the time you listen to this, but Fleet's Wake is uh, going on right now uh, where you can get a new champion called Zorbo the Gnome Ranger. Awesome. Zorbu. Yep. Sorry, Zorbu. That's a good name. Totally different. Uh, really great name. A I Gnome love, Ranger? I know. It's you fun. don't see a name Gnome Ranger very often, uh, but I'm excited about that. Um, and also, uh, there was an lo- awesome Loot Crate thing in this thing. We, by the time you guys listen to this, it might be gone, but I, which I feel really sad about. But uh, uh, pay attention to more stuff on this year thing about Loot Crate because I think we got some other fun items coming in boxes cool. to come. Uh, and Do you know that or are you just speculating? I'm, you I'm, 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 okay. I got my, my, my legs and bo- across I, the border. I still see those. That's not a word. That's not, a, that's not an expression. Phase, didn't even phase me. <laughs> I still see those red ampersand shirts that were in the I know. Trailer. I still see them pop up every now and again. I'm like, I know where you got those. I think that, that was, was awesome. like the inaugural thing that people were like, it was really this cool. is going to be too cool. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, then let's uh, go ahead and throw it to some, um, uh, some awesome segments. Uh, again, I think that it's going to be about the GIF. Uh, and then we will talk to Mario uh, Ortegon uh, or El Warius right after that. Cool. Sound like a plan? Yes. I love all it. All Big mouth. Welcome to another Lore You Should Know segment. I am Greg Tito, and I'm joined by Lore Masters, Mr. Chris Perkins. Hello. And Matt Cernan. Howdy. And today, in this segment, where we talk about little bits of Dungeons & Dragons lore you can use in your game or for your own edification, we're going to talk about Gith. Gith. Yeah. Which is the name of the entire race. In its Correct. It used to be one race. Now it's two. Yep. The Gith Zerai, with a Z. Yep. And the Gith Yankee. Yes. All right. So where were the Gith first mentioned in uh, in Dungeons and Dragons? First edition Fiend Folio. Boom. Bam. Yep. So yep. they go they go way back. Were they both races at that point or were they, they a oh, No, no, they both. were both yes. described separately, but the hi- but the history of them being one race was there present from the very beginning. Um, they were created by uh, author Charles Strauss, who Strauss I should say who contributed to the book. Um, uh, back before he became an amazing novelist. <laughs> yeah, and I think he that was first published in White Dwarf, um, so it wasn't officially a D&D thing, but White Dwarf at the time was a magazine that was devoted to sort of all role-playing games, just oh, like right. Dragon was devoted yes. to all role-playing and games. And a lot, when, they were, when the, uh, the British TSR team was putting together the Fiend Folio, they pulled a lot of material from, from, all, those all, from all those places, the stuff into the book. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay, cool. Also, he created the Slotty, which we had talked about oh, in the previous installment. Oh, so. Slotty. So uh, Char- I like that. Charlie gave us both the Slotty and the Gith. That's cool. Uh, so yeah, what, what what was the story of the, where they came from? Where that uh, that first Gith? Uh, uh, they were a race enslaved, human-like human. Eh, unclear. Unclear. And they were they were a bipedal race that were enslaved by the Mind Flayers, the Illithid Empire. The Illithid Empires, yes. And they broke free of that yoke. Um, Thanks in large part to a champion among them whose name was Gith. She was this great figure in their history. She helped liberate the people from their overlords, and they honored her by basically naming themselves after her. The problem is, is that they splintered shortly thereafter into the two races they are today. And those races have not seen eye to eye since. 
Yes. And we've been, we've talked about the Illithid Empire, but it was it was always kind of thought of as this large, sprawling, all over the realm space and Spelljammer universes. So it had lots of sci-fi mm-hmm. uh, uh, tendrils in there. Yeah. Is yeah. that true of the Gith as well, because of those origins? Well, yeah. So one of the things that's really interesting about um, the the Mind Flayer Empire and all that kind of thing is is that you know it's not clear where it was or when it was. So, you know, it's clear that um, it might have been partially on the astral plane. That's mentioned a few times. Mm. Um, but certainly it was also in worlds and so on. But now the Githyanki are in the astral plane and Narium Mind Flayer to be seen. So um, something happened. <laughs> something big. So, mm-hmm. and, and so the, the, there's sort of an interesting idea inherent in, in sort of the, the little fringes of, of lore there that... Um, maybe the mind flayers basically got kicked out of the astral plane by the Githyanki. Oh, yeah, right, and given the Githyanki's nature, that's not beyond the beyond the pale. Yeah. Um, the other thing, uh, it's a little ambiguous, but that it's possible that during their enslavement, that's when they became psionic, and that the mind flayers essentially made these people into their psionic thralls, and that sort of explains why both Githzarai and Githyanki can manifest psionic abilities, and that's the sci-fi connection. Yeah. Um, Unlike a lot of other creatures that have enslaved by the mind flayers that don't have psychic abilities, these guys apparently do. They were able to learn yes. and/or kind of innately get those, exactly. those abilities. Um, they're not they're not exactly the same. Gith Yankee sonic abilities develop differently from Gith Zarai ones. They have oh. abilities that the Gith Zarai don't have, and vice versa. But there is also some overlap, which is important, I think, to to suggest or reinforce the idea that they were one people at one point and then became ideologically separated, with the Gith Yankee of the more evil bent retreating to the astral plane and living a very xenophobic lifestyle, mm-hmm. hunting and basically killing anything that would threaten them and with no qualms about hunting down mind flayers wherever they're detected. The Gedzari chose a more neutral, um, ascetic existence, um, living in far-flung um, sanctuaries in limbo and elsewhere, trying to just stay away from their uh, evil kin. Yeah, and it's really interesting. So, like, the the whole story of the, the birth of the Githyanki, or, or I shouldn't say the birth of the Githyanki, but um, so they have this hero figure, Gith, and uh, Gith and Vlakith uh, go into, was it the Nine Hells? Mm-hmm. And they, they uh, and then basically Vlakith comes back with this giant red dragon, I think it's Ephemelon? Yeah. And says, hey, we cut a deal. Gith's cool with it. <laughs> Without telling she's, she's totally cool, cool with it. Yeah. And, and like, I'm your queen now, and we got to deal with these red dragons because of Tiamat. So, and... <laughs> that, and that led to the splintering yeah, kind of happening. Yeah. Like, things, yeah. didn't, things didn't settle well after that. Vlakith <laughs> cemented herself in a fortress in the astral plane called Tunarath, where she has or she has upheld this compact made with red dragons um, ever since. Um, she carries a scepter that's a symbol of that compact, and Githyanki and red dragons are, have been linked inexorably ever since. Interesting. Um, yep. Are they, are they like dragon riders? Is that kind of yeah. the yep. thing? They, when they ride they around on the red dragons. Yep. In the astral plane. Well, and, Our, and in worlds. Yeah. I mean, so one of the things that's really interesting is that um, in the astral plane, uh, it's it's a timeless realm. Like time sort of doesn't pass there for you as far as your body goes and that kind of thing. So yeah. you don't have to eat, you don't have to really sleep. You don't. I mean, you just you just exist. Yeah. 
And so in order to um, be born, it's at like so Githyanki and Githzari, presumably, I think both of them, lay eggs, oddly enough. And <laughs> oh, they're humanoid <laughs> bipedals yeah. that lay eggs. Yes. I don't know how yeah. that works, but that's what we yes. say. Yeah. Um, so, and, but they have to, the Githyanki basically have to go and um, put that on other planes and other worlds. Um, the eggs. To, to, to have them grow uh-huh. and mature. And so there are what are called Githyanki creches in secretive places in the world where, um, you know, the the Githyanki come and sort of raise their children there, and then there's sort of a rite of passage by which they're supposed to go and kill a mind flayer um, before they can return to the astral plane and sort of this paradise of endless existence where they can just right, be an right. awesome warrior. Okay, yeah, we cover some of this. Be when evil we talk. forever! <laughs> yeah. But they, but they can't actually be born and grow in a timeless place. They must do it outside yeah, of right. like, yes. a place where it is yes. time, and that's where they can be conveniently... Yep. So to uh, replenish their numbers, they have to go, they have to get it on, they have to pop eggs out of their butt, in some, <laughs> in some material plane world. I'm pretty sure that's how it works. And then they, yeah. then the kids come back and when they're I, old enough. And I imagine it's a pretty horrific, like, like they're, they're probably sequestered someplace and told how awful and terrible everything else in the universe is. Yeah. And, and it's reinforced by the fact that adventurers keep breaking into their crushes and killing all yeah. of them. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, maybe these crushes are in Red Dragon lairs, you know, and, and things like that. They might be near Mind Flayers so that they have a place where they can go pretty much right afterwards. And like, do their business. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. You're all ready to go. Take My your silver sword. Go. <laughs> we should talk a little bit about silver swords. Yeah. They're weird and fun. Yeah. What are silver swords? So, uh, silver swords are these kind of wavy, um, crazy swords that Githyanki have. And in the astral plane, when you travel there through the astral projection spell, you leave behind you a silver cord. And that right. travels behind you. And it's this kind Johnny of. Johnny Darko style. Yeah. And it's this yeah, unbreakable yeah. cord thing that just travels behind you. Um, and then when you exit it to, into another plane, that cord just, I think it just vanishes. Yeah. And you, you, you're then in that other plane to do X, Y, and Z, because you can travel through the astral. From but one you always to have other. to be tethered to something right. while you're traveling through the astral. Right. Githyanki can come along and see one of those cords <laughs> and just <laughs> snip with their sword. Oh, which we also <laughs> did talk about this in the yeah. astral plane episode. Yeah, yeah. yeah where it's yeah. like, oh, that's, that's the yeah. ultimate way to, uh, yeah. to be on yeah. the offense yeah. there. That yeah. makes total sense. And so Githyanki out in the astral plane in particular have these silver swords, and they, they can, if anyone's coming to the astral projecting that way, they can snip those things. All right. Yeah. Well, what about the Gith uh, Zarai then? Where, where do they live? So they have uh, another figure who's kind of their... Um, Master figure who is called Zerth, yeah, Zerth or Zerthamon. Zerthamon, um, is, yeah. Um, to his friends, he's yeah. Zerth. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone, yeah. everyone calls him Zerth. So, so they, uh, he, he basically is sort of a more I don't know Buddha-like figure. He's like, no, let's not wage eternal war against the mind flayers. We've we've won this. Like, let's you know quit We're it. Free. Let's be happy about right. our freedom. And uh, that doesn't quite work because they still do, do go after Mind Flayers, but they also go after Githyanki. Um, but they retreat to Limbo. And Limbo is this crazy plane of chaos where, you know, it's fire, water, wood, rocks. There's a fish, right? Like, it's just everything happening all at once. Also timeless, though, outside of the planes. Um, no, you, um, you no. age there. You yeah. still need food yeah. and all that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. You just can't get it because it moves away from you. Right. <laughs> it turns into <laughs> rock. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Um, and through their psychic powers there, and I mean, it can be done by other creatures, but the Gizari themselves are particularly good at it. They can sort of stabilize reality and create their own Oasis. spaces of reality in it. Yeah. Oh. And and so for the ones who are who are like particularly good at this, the Gizari that are particularly good. 
good at this. I mean, it's it's like Inception. They can just make stuff happen. Wow. Um, yeah. All right. Yeah. And the great part is Limbo's such a terrible place that they don't get any you know crappy neighbors. It's just really them and the chaos. And They're the only ones who are like basically the, yeah. the controllers of everything yeah. that's yeah. happening there because they become so attuned to it. And and they have these these adamantine sort of citadels that basically just fly through this chaos. Mm. Um, and occasionally. They'll plant one of those on the world um, and go to war against some Githyanki crash or mind some mind colonies, colonies yeah. or that kind of thing. So I'm sensing a lot of conflict here, though, because even though they are the, you know, the ones that uh, came away from their enslavement being like, you know, we don't have to go ahead and kill everyone. It seems like they're most of what they do is go and kill everyone anyway. <laughs> yeah. They part just do it, it part nicely. Part of it is, I think, a, a sense of paranoia. They went through such a hellish time that they've never forgotten or forgiven nor will they ever allow themselves to be put in that situation again or even allow anybody to come close to putting them in that situation again. I see. Uh, so they are, they're sort of aggressive xenophobes. Yeah, and I mean, mind flayers are essentially an existential threat to the universe. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> True. <laughs> yes. So if you, you were know. going to... to and to... they are among the best equipped to fight them um, yeah. because of the shonic abilities and their training and all that other thing. So uh, they're kind of doing... The Githyanki, the Gizari think they're doing the universe a favor yeah. by eliminating this existential threat. The Githyanki are doing it because they're just still seething with rage over the idea that they were enslaved. It's still and, retribution and, and revenge. Yeah, and Vlokith just needs something for them all to do. do. Because right. they're, yes. all, they're all she has all of these sort of you know immortal bored people <laughs> <laughs> with swords, you know, with so much time on their hands. Like, something with it, and, and, right. and she she has to sort of control them all, and so she has this. I mean, it's like tyrants often do. You know, they they put fear into the population. So, and they give them a, a purpose mm-hmm. so that they can control them. All right. And so that's that's what she does. Yeah, there's always fear in Vlokith's mind that a Githyanki will be a Githyanki warlord will become so powerful or prominent that he will steal from her mm-hmm. some of the the the, the glory the glory or whatever. So I mean, um, and dating her. all the way back to the earliest renditions of the of the Githyanki um, is this idea that Vlokith is very good about eliminating any potential rivals. When Githyanki become too big for their britches, she either sends them out on the mission designed to get them killed mm. or has somebody kill them. Yeah. Or kills them herself, sucks out their soul. Yeah. Because did we mention she's a lich? Yeah. She's no, we did not tasty. mention. Yeah. So mm. she's an undead mage, psionic, super Githyanki. Yeah. 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 All right. Yeah. With a scepter that basically allows her to and so just because so all right so Velakith is the is the leader of the the, she's the lich queen of the Githyanki. Oh my god! And Zerthamon's kind of because basically Zerthamon's like this sort of withered corpse-like thing that sort of sits in a in a little booth. (laughs) <laughs> kind of yeah. s- surrounded by flowers and lights and stuff. So he's perfectly normal. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he psychically communicates with, with his, his people, you know, across the chaos of, you know, limbo. Hey, right. And what you doing? Yeah. You having a good day? I know what you're doing, but I'm going to ask anyway. <laughs> but, but, like, you know, how he manages to sort of sustain his life over, over what must be millennia at this point. Are they immortal? I mean, you mentioned immortal. Are, are they actually immortal? Or is no, it only because no, of the, no. on the, being on the astral yeah. plane? Yeah, They're, they die. They, yeah. okay. Time passes for them. They age. They die. They, okay. have, they, in, give, they have offspring to 
yeah, to continue and, their legacy. And one of the reasons the Githyanki really don't like coming to the material plane is that, like, as soon as they come, that clock starts ticking, right? Yeah. You know, so the ones that are assigned to guard oh, precious. Oh, I'm hungry. Right? Like, the ones yeah. who are, like, it's a punishment. They all of a sudden have to deal yeah. with being yeah, alive. Yeah, right, exactly. It's a punishment to go and be assigned to guard a crash because um. now you have to take care of these whining children and you have to find food and you have to fight off all these adventurers. And it's so <laughs> much better just being on the astral plane yeah. where you don't have to deal with any of that stuff. Yeah. And we can sail it. around on big astral ships. Yep. Yeah. That's what that's what gave Yankee and, and and kill mind players. Yeah. Right. Because yeah, the other thing they do is they they'll just come down and swoop down on a world and uh, just Loot. start raiding, raiding and looting like yeah. crazy flying sky pirates. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, what do a board githyanki like? Treasure, <laughs> apparently. Yeah. Just like most no, people, right? Exactly. Um, all right. So, in Morning Canaan's Tome of Foes, which is coming out uh, everywhere May 29th, you can play as a githyanki or a githzerai. There's rules for a player in there. Hmm. So, what would you give uh, a, a, a player who wants to try out this kind of character? What, what kind of plot hooks or story would you uh, love to? Give them to you so that they're are, are they are they a traditional member of their race? Are they are they both? Yeah, there's there's so much that you can do. I mean, like the did you fail in your mission to kill a mind flayer? So you or did you were you too cowardly? <laughs> did, oh. you, did you fall in love with you know eating pizza and you just don't want to go back to the astral and never hunger for pizza again? Um, there's all kinds of possibilities there. Um, story possibilities include like maybe you're you've been sent down to find a hidden mind flare colony that might be hidden in the middle of a city somewhere. Mm-hmm. And so you shack up with a bunch of adventurers and they'll take you on other quests while you're secretly searching around for any signs of mind flare domination, thralls moving around, that kind of thing. So yeah. Maybe your crash got busted up and you escaped, but now you don't have a way back. You're trying to sort of get back home, you know? And yeah. oh, I like you can that. even do an odd couple thing where you have one party member who's a Gitzari and one party member who's a Githyanki. And, and they just forced never to get along. Right. Because <laughs> in, in sort of the, the greater expanded um, lore of Githyanki and Gitzari, and this was mostly fleshed out in third edition, we hit upon this idea that there are Githyanki and Githzerai who are interested in reunifying the people. It's uh, sort of like that Star Trek episode where Spock's trying to reunify the Vulcans and the, and Romulans. the Romulans together. Most yeah. people don't think it's a good idea, but he thinks it's a great idea. And so there, there is a sect called the Shasal Ku, and they are made up of Githyanki and Githzerai who want to be one. Oh my gosh, that almost sounds like a Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> it does. It does. I wonder why, Chris. <laughs> well, you know, there's. I Did think, you name it? Is what I'm trying to say? Uh, no. Oh, okay. I did not. Um, but. There is a, there's always, there is actually a bit of a sci-fi bent to these guys. Yeah. You know, you don't, they're flying around in astral ships. They're wielding these psionic blades. You know, they're using mental powers, not spells in the traditional right. sense. And, and they are very alien. They come from yes. an alien place. So. Yes. Yeah. So there is, there are sort of science fiction undertones to, to both of them. Um, are there ways that you can, if, you know, if you say you want to uh, experiment with this, but you don't want to necessarily open it all up to all that stuff, are there ways for dungeon masters that can... Just concentrate on the on yeah, the, on the absolutely. more fantasy you could, bent of you things. Could, you could simply say that the the characters are survivors of a crash that got decimated, right? And so they were sort of scattered out into the world, and they don't have any knowledge of the astral plane or limbo or where they came from. They were raised from young children in this very isolated, contained environment, and then just kind of thrown out into the world. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great possibility for characters, and also allows you to play a character without all the baggage, yeah, or all the alignment predisposition. You can be whatever alignment you want because you have not been influenced by your anything. forebears. Or, right. or your forebears. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting too because then it becomes, <laughs> that might be a way for a, uh, a dungeon master who secretly wants to run Spelljammer, but you can kind of 
get these science fiction ideas out there slowly in your campaign so it doesn't feel like, oh, oh by the way, we're doing this, but it's right. like a way to be, yeah. be a part of the world. I yeah. know I've played in a few campaigns where uh, the things that a, the adventurer party discovers are basically science fiction artifacts, but they're described just in ways of, you know, oh, this is a wand of fireballs. It's bent at one side and only works if you pull this this thing, this lever on it, you know, yeah. and then all of a sudden yeah. that becomes a laser pistol and then, like, it, you know, mm-hmm. it, 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 there's ways to, 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 to make it feel like it's part of your world. Yep, yep. Yeah, I think both races come from very different um, uh, origins in the sense of, like, you have the Githzeri who are um, in a place that's very sort of manicured and, and controlled, and they have the Githyanki where if you actually got to their plane... You know, went to one of their cities. It's like, you know, they just have stuff from all over the universe that they've been collecting and putting there, and and, mm. and trying to sort of enjoy and figure out and so on. Whereas, you know, if you have that character in the world, now they're divorced from both of those things. They don't know, maybe if they didn't ever experience what was on the the astral plane. Well, then they're like, you know, what is this thing? Beer? Like, what's that? Like, <laughs> horses? Oh my god, kill it! Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. clearly a mind player in disguise. <laughs> kill the horse. If I were given my choice, I'd want to play a Githyanki who was like the son of a Githyanki pirate whose ship was crashed, right. basically into the world, and somehow I survived the crash and kind of went off on my own and had to find my own way. Yeah. But there would be that sort of sense of longing or that sort of distant memory of being on that ship and wanting to go back and you know trying to find my way back into whatever it was my dad came from. Oh my gosh. I mean, I, the, I, you just called to mind like four different movies that are coming out this year that all have like, you know, like, right, like a Guardians of the Galaxy yeah, kind of feel yeah. thing, but also, yeah. right. So, yeah, I love all that. You and then like, I'm like, what? I'm supposed to be evil? Yeah! yeah. All right. Fuck yeah! Here we go. We get back and it's just total Give hellscape. Me your stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Give me your stuff. <laughs> awesome. Uh, well, if people can want to ask you questions about Githyanki, Githzerai, or Astral Plane, or Mind Flayers, uh, how can they get in touch with you? I am on Twitter at Chris Perkins DND. And I'm on Twitter at, at Cernet, S-E-R-N-E-T-T. Awesome. I'm sure you'll be peppered with lots of questions after this uh, segment. Thank you, guys, and we'll be back with another one uh, next week. That was a really good segment. <laughs> I feel like I know so much more about what it was we just listened to. I do, too. <laughs> There's That was... Very informative. There's like bombs exploding in my mind about how uh, amazing that was. Again, can't wait for my next dinner party. Drop in the nuggets. Drop in the nuggets about zombies and or other things that are happening. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Great. Great. Thanks. Great conversation. Good talk. (laughs) It's a good starter. It's a good conversation (laughs) starter. Awesome. Well, let's uh, call up our guest, uh, Mario Ortegon. Ortegon. I did it wrong again. Are you there? No, I'm here. That, That was perfect. Okay. Ah, sweet. Uh, but as you said, more people might know you as Warius. Uh, where did you get that nickname? Uh, ooh, that was the name of my first D&D character, actually. Really? Like, a long time ago, yeah. <laughs> when was that? Uh, probably around uh, 2000, the year 2000, maybe. Crazy. What was that character? It was a human wizard. Uh, back then, I was using the handle uh, Wario, for, because my name is Mario. I was, you know, being clever, uh, uh, Later, I learned that there was a character named yes. Mario, but whatever. And, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I played him a lot in Mario Kart. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, well, uh, my DM said, your D&D name can't be Wario. That's, that's ridiculous. <laughs> I said that I'm, I'm going to be Wario's. And, yeah, that's, that was, that's the story. That's <laughs> how soon. most uh, fantasy names get made, right? Where they're like, your, oh. your DM says, mm-mm. mm-mm. Not so much. And nah, then you I come up with something else. What if we yeah, all yeah. had to go by our first D&D character's name? What would your name be? Oh. Uh, 
Yeah. <laughs> Ryan, he would be Todd. Todd. <laughs> His name was Todd Hedron. It's true. Oh, yeah. your character? Yeah. Was Todd? Yeah. Oh. You don't remember? Clearly, Brian. I remember because it was so terrible. <laughs> your name was Todd? Your D&D character? It was Todd Hedron. Number his one. first name? And, his, and then they called him Toad because he was a half-elf in a human uh, settlement. So How I was, old were you? Ah, this was in my hmm. 20s. This oh. was like, this was after uh, Warius. It was uh, uh, 2004, 2003. And it wasn't yeah, my so first character. It was the first one that I, like, I, I played for a long, long time. Yeah, so, so you just took a name and then added something silly after it. That's what, what yep. you do, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Colin, what was your first D&D character? This is this is compelling content here. It Waiting is. for him to talk off. Mine not is Mike. Astrid. Astrid. Astrid Bellagio. That's that sounds like a uh, like a Harry Potter uh, uh, name or something like that. Or Las Vegas. Oh, the Bellagio. Right? Yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah. Was she a wizard? Yes, she was sorcerer. Oh, oh, well, awesome. Yeah, she was an elf sorceress. <laughs> yeah, first time sorceress. Part time. Damn it. Part time. Part time sorceress. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, first so, time where is so the first time you played Dungeons Dragons was in uh, uh, 2000. Is that what you were saying? Around 2000, yeah. How did um, you get introduced into it? Well, it's kind of an embarrassing story. Oh but, yeah. Um, I <laughs> <laughs> uh, I started playing because of the Dungeons and Dragons movie. Um, I hmm, saw the movie the and I really that. liked what I was seeing, you hmm. know. And uh, so uh, back then we didn't have the Lord of the Rings uh, like the movies. It was the first uh, time I saw that. And, you know, I knew about the cartoon. I knew about the Dungeons & Dragons cartoon. And uh, so I started researching. You know, I went on the um, my school, uh, borrowed a computer, started searching on the Internet, and I came up with it. That's cool. So what did you discover in your searching? That Did you know well, that Dungeons & Dragons was a game before you saw the no. movie? I mean, I, I, I knew I knew it was a game, but I, I didn't know anything about it. Like, yeah. I, I, I knew the name. Um, I knew the cartoon. And that was that was about it. Um, then when I started searching, I, I encountered a lot of, you know, conflicting information. People saying like, you know, back then people saw, said it was like a bad thing. And uh, there were a lot of stories, a lot of uh, cautionary tales, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, my mom, uh, my mom listened to all those cautionary tales. She probably yeah. wrote some of those. <laughs> she probably wrote some of them herself. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So I, I ended up uh, on some forums. On uh, back then, I can't even remember uh, what they were called, but I, I, I ended up on some forums where people were role playing, like play by post. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I started I started playing there, and then a few friends. I met a few friends, and we started playing on, um, you know, on IM, uh, like like Messenger stuff like that. Yeah, and that was it because I lived in a very small town, and I I didn't really have like people to play with until much much later. Where did uh, where was the small town? That was well, it was a small town called Rio Bravo. It's a town in the border with the uh, U.S. It's right next to a. Uh, a uh, small town in the U.S. called McAllen, Texas. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, there, w- there was not a, a, a local game store in, in that town? Well, in, not, not in Rio because it was very, very small again. Um, but uh, I, we used to be, I mean, we would go to, to the U.S., you know, shopping. Uh, and we, my parents would go to the mall, and I would ask that they would leave me on the, uh, on the comic store, you know, mm. just to look at all the books. Only to look at them because I couldn't couldn't buy them. Um, <laughs> back then, there were like uh, it was I think it was third edition. It was like just 
fresh mm-hmm. yeah. out. Um, and then until much later, until I had saved uh, enough uh, to buy the uh, the player's handbook, I was like uh, brave enough to ask some uh, some of my classmates uh, to play. Uh, I don't think they got it, but <laughs> I was having a blast. I was the dungeon master of the. I did the same thing too, and I had to, like I had my friends, and I knew I wanted to play, and we tried to. We tried. To, we actually didn't try with Dungeons and Dragons first. We tried with uh, uh, Middle Earth role playing because I loved oh. all the Tolkien stories. So, yeah. There, there's there's a lot of laughs about how badly that first session went because I didn't know how to dungeon master at all. Yeah, right. So are how, you just making it up at this? Point? I was pretty much just making it yeah. up. Yeah. What about you? Yeah. So, yeah. I, I mean, you could you just get like uh, I don't know. I, back then, like I said, most of most of what I had was like found online. So uh, when I started first DMing, I just took a bunch of you know everything I could find online and like pasted it in a single adventure and that was it. You know? Oh, that's <laughs> an interesting way to do it. Yeah. Did, you, yeah. did, you, did your players get to any of that stuff? Uh, more or less. I mean, they were mostly like uh, very confused about the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't like, I mean, it, 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 we, we had a good time, but uh, they, I, I don't think they, they got like really, really into it. They were more like uh, in the, um, you know, in the moment of uh, the, the sharing uh, sharing the space, telling the story, having fun. So uh, I kind of, you know, ended up scrapping most of it, and then I, I just, uh, you know, I ended up throwing monsters at them because that was what they, That's what they, what they wanted. Yeah, <laughs> they just wanted to fight things. Yeah. So you were dice. a dungeon master, and you didn't even have the dungeon master's guide. You only had the player's handbook. No. Yeah. Well, for the like for the first, I don't know, six months, and then after that, I, I bought the dungeon master guide. Yeah. Did you think that yeah, yeah. Uh, that helped? Did it, did you get like more insight into how to make it work? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, most uh, the thing I liked the most, uh, and this was like back in third edition. Um, you know, the what I was doing was mostly taking stuff from other fiction and everything else, and just pasting it in, in, into uh, you know custom world. And uh, you know, the dungeon master guide really gave me that like a guide on how to do that. You know, a structure. And uh, that's when I, I actually started uh, learning how to do that. That's pretty really cool. cool. Yeah. What uh, did did you ever play with that group again, or did they? You know, did you had your? How did you like continue playing? No. Well, actually, that group. I mean, like I said, we we mostly played like uh, I don't know, like uh, five sessions in total, and then we uh, we ended up uh, we finished high school, and that was it. Mm-hmm. Um, I continued playing because uh, actually that was like, that was not the first time I played. The first time I played was uh, online, uh, like I said, on, on IM. Mm-hmm. And uh, my friend Omi, who I still play with today, oh, cool. uh, he, he actually started DMing a game online for us. Like, uh, I can't remember. I think at first it was like every day. Like, we were really hardcore on that game. Wow. Every day? <laughs> you played yeah, every yeah, day? Yeah. In person I mean, or was this still online? No, it, yeah, that was on IM. Uh, everything on like uh, text, and when we could, we did voice, but mostly uh, text. And uh, and you know, we we played like he had the the whole thing. He had the uh, the, the books, and uh, I, I when I ended up buying the books, we would you know refer to the books, and then you know ha- had have those discussions that you have at the table. Like uh, that's not how this works. Look at the page number, whatever. Oh, you know, it's. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So you were like rules lawyering over I am uh, stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now is this was this the dungeon master that told you you couldn't name your character Mario? Yeah, that was the first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, 
Yeah, so we, we continued playing uh, for a long, long time, like uh, well into, I think it was until I started college. Um, well, actually, when he started college, because he, he is one year older. So when he started college, we, we kind of just stopped and, you know, our priorities changed. Um, and the online group kind of fell apart, but we reconnected like, uh, like a few years later uh, doing a, a podcast online. And that was like uh, around uh, three years ago, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we reconnected long before that, but we started doing the, post- the podcast three years ago. And um, shortly after the podcast, I, I said, I mean, we're already doing this. What do you guys think about uh, playing uh, Dungeons and Dragons? Uh, he's, uh, he and his wife, uh, Maluka, were the first, uh, the first, uh, my first players in this game. Uh, and then we had uh, another two friends, Cosmo and Hill, uh, join us. And that was that. That game is still going today. That's awesome. So you yeah. you reconnected with the guy that you first played with. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's, that's really cool. Yeah, we hear about that a lot about how people like kind of, uh, uh, you know, get their gaming group together when they were kids and then like lose touch over time because everybody does because of you know as you said yeah. college or or creating a family or or just moving away to different areas right and then like being able to get back together with them is like it's almost like a high school reunion yeah. but with none of the baggage that comes with a high school reunion. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and, and you actually like, like glad to know, yeah. and, uh, to know what, what, what went, what, what's going on, like what games you played, what have you been going, you know, you actually have things to talk about, right? <laughs> and it makes the games that much even better, right? Because you have so much life experience you can bring to uh, uh, to role playing. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's awesome. I mean, it's uh, it, it's given us like a space to to actually, you know, reconnect and uh, keep doing it week after week. So uh, it's it's really great. Do you find that there's like a different uh, style or feel to playing uh, with uh, people who speak? Because I, I, I assume you guys play uh, in, in Espanol, right? Is that yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, play, we play in Spanish. Cool. Yeah. Is there a different, uh, I know I took four years. I'm, I'm very, very well versed. Uh, I know La Playa is beach. Um, the, uh, yeah, so is there a different style when you're playing in a different language? Uh, I'm just really fascinated by that. Ooh, well, um, I think there is mostly because um, I mean, and this mainly applies to uh, the way we play in Mexico and Latin America. I mm-hmm. think because we end up using a lot of the English terminology for everything because that is the uh, that is what we have. We have the the English books, and um, we I mean translations they're not really much of a thing here at least not yet because um they're mostly made for spain and um uh, when we you know when we play we use the english book so it's easier to just refer to everything in mm-hmm. um in english uh so that everyone knows what we're talking about right um so it, it ends up being this kind of mix of spanglish and stuff uh, like that and um you know i i mostly try and that is like uh that is like a personal thing that I've been trying lately. I, I, I definitely wasn't used to this before. I, I try to like introduce and use uh, most of um, a lot of Spanish things and Spanish names and Spanish sounding, uh, you know, uh, words in fiction. Um, mostly because, I mean, I'm used of playing, uh, you know, that way. Mostly, I mean, especially because I grew up in the border. So everything was just really easy, you know, mm-hmm. with, with, uh, with language. Um, but I know not everyone is like that. And uh, now that we have an audience and we have uh, like people watching, I, I don't want people to feel like alienated uh, 
because they don't know a word or a term or something. Um, but it's kind of, I mean, at the same time, it's kind of difficult because if we say a, a name for something like, like a translation for, I don't know, AC, which is armor class, and we use like a clase de armadura, which is the word in Spanish, and then like maybe that's not the word, the exact word they use in the player's handbook translation mm. by uh, Gale Force 9, and maybe they, they, I don't know, they get confused. So it's, it, I don't know, it, it's a complicated matter. It is hard because I think we, we've been talking about this with, uh, uh, with uh, uh, Hilary Ross, who does a lot of the, the licensing for the translations and stuff, but like there's this contention of like translating names, uh, like, like Red March, for example. Uh, is yeah. like a, is a town, right? And you know mm-hmm. that that those those words, red and March, can be translated, and then you put yeah. them together. But is that the same as the town of Red March? Right. Like it, yeah. you know, right? So it, 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 there's what what works with Dungeons and Dragons is like is this through line of terminology as you're talking about. So then when you mix up the terminology, there's no longer that through line. Yeah, yeah. We actually experienced this with. Uh, I'm currently. Um, I'm, I'm going to be playing a game with uh, another streamer who is in Spain, mm-hmm. and they do have the translations there. And he's using most of the stuff uh, as it as it is named in, in you know in the books over there. Yeah. And uh, I think he mentioned um, Aguas Profundas once, which is Waterdeep. And I, <gasps> I I've always done. I, I mean, I've, I've always known it by Waterdeep. So at first, I was like. Are you talking about? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> Wait, what is oh, it? What is it? Really interesting. What is it translated? Uh, it's aguas profundas. Uh, it, it, basically, d- deep waters. It's, deep uh, waters. Oh, oh, okay. Profundas meaning deep. Oh my gosh! Deep. I was oh, trying gosh. to like think like how is yeah. profound part of it? Oh, yeah. Deep yeah. profound. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Deep waters. That's funny. So they tra- yeah. they translate that in the uh, in in that's so nuts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I think so. I mean, he's using that. I, I assume that's that's because he's using it, or, or, or I don't know if he's translating it on his own. Or just because I, that's right, because yeah. and that's what makes it so difficult is that yeah. one group will, might do that, and we're always like, oh, yeah. whatever, at your group, at your table matters. But then when you try to join other groups, there might be this confusion. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh man. So what is <laughs> who? Because it seems like your podcast has grown a lot, and. Um, and you haven't been doing it that long. You said only this has only been a few years. Uh, uh, well, it's actually uh, in April. Uh, we're gonna be for two years. Okay. Uh, we started in April two thousand sixteen. So this, what, this is you streaming the the play, right? Yeah. 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 So who is your audience? Who are, like, did, were you surprised that the audience that you had such a large audience so quickly? Like these people obviously have been sitting around waiting for somebody to play D anD D. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I was surprised. Uh, well, half and half, you know, I was like, I was half surprised because um, I, I didn't think there was like, um, like, I didn't think that, that what we were doing was, was something new. And it, it wasn't. I mean, it, it's uh, for a while there were like, um, you know, like there were critical role, like giants, uh, critical role in role play. And, um, you know, people, I was like, am I going to do that? They're already doing it. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not sure if. Uh, I should do it. Um, but then I realized that, I mean, that content isn't in Spanish and maybe they're, you know, maybe they want to listen to it in Spanish. And I have, um, you know, I have uh, gotten so much from those, uh, you know, from that kind of, uh, that kind of show from Critical Role and, and uh, role play from what, what you guys do that I was like, well, I should do something so that, uh, you know, if people want to listen to it in Spanish, uh, I mean, so they can enjoy it without the language barrier. And um, 
and you, you know it has been like like a steady growth it has it hasn't like exploded overnight um but uh it's getting a pretty good response and uh, the community has been awesome it has they, they have been very supportive and great they're they're spamming emotes in chat right now oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so <laughs> that's awesome uh, yeah, no, we, we've, I find that really fascinating. I want more uh, uh, people from across the world to play in their, in their native language. I think it's, it's, it's I don't know, it's exciting. Yeah. It's, it, and, and I'm really fascinated about like how it, how the translation thing yeah. uh, changes it. But then, because it's also, that's a, such a part of D&D play too. Like what language do you speak? You know, oh, I don't know Goblin, so I can't interrogate this Goblin. Or like, you know, that there's, like that's such a part of, of of D and D play that like I'm excited to see that happening in real life too. Yeah, and you end up like um, I mean I have gone to uh, you know it's, it's been a while but I have gone to to cons in the U S. and um, uh, you know everyone I, I've seen people like from different languages uh, you know come together and just do whatever they can to communicate and play D and D and it's really really easy. I mean they, everyone can like identify the terms, everyone knows what AC is, everyone knows what, what uh, HP is, everyone knows what, what the sides on, on the die are the same. Yeah. Um, and if, if, like, if people don't speak the same language, they can just say, like, well, you speak Elvish, you speak Orcish, and, you know, it's, it's not a problem. That's do whatever you can to communicate, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's neat. Uh, cool. So I'm, I'm, kudos to you guys for jumping in and, and having it be uh, uh, the, the language that you guys spe- would speak around the table, you know, organically. Did you see more, are there more groups now live streaming in Spanish now? Yeah, I mean, when we started there, there wasn't, just, just there wasn't anything. And um, we actually started like uh, playing on the same time slot of Critical Role uh, at some point, because uh, at that point, the Dungeons and Dragons category was like so high, and uh, but there were no Spanish channels. and. Mm. For a while, it was just like Critical Role with 20,000 viewers and then us with like 60. Uh, <laughs> that was like, yeah. so it was, I mean, it was great because we were the second channel. I mean, the difference was like, like really high, but uh, it, was, it, was, it was pretty good. Um, but, um, you know, uh, now you, you see more groups started doing it. And I'm glad because I'm finding new people to collaborate with. And yeah. That, yeah. It, it's great. Um, so... Do you think you guys, do, do you as the DM, because you're the DM, uh, do you bring in, uh, you know, because obviously Dungeons and Dragons has a lot of like Arthurian legend uh, in, its, in its bones and Tolkien and all those like very English uh, uh, myths. Do you find that you work in a lot of uh, uh, cultures and different stories and myths from, 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 from where you're from? Yeah, yeah. Actually, uh, well, one of the, well, the game I DM, because we, we're going to have a, another game uh, DM by my friend uh, Hill. He's taking us through Barovia. Uh-huh. Um, but th- that is uh, another game. And the game that I DM is uh, a humble world based on uh, Aztec, Maya, and Inca uh, mythologies. Oh, cool. Um, it, sta- it started in, a, in a, a very specific land that was very, you know, it was a, a lot like Chalt. It was like this, you know, uh, savage land that P- PCs were there to conquer. But then it started to, you know, move to other places. But the, the cosmology and everything that, uh, that revolves around the world is uh, very, um, you know, e- e- evocative of those, uh, that folklore, that, that culture. Yeah. Um, you know, mostly uh, cosmology thing, like, the Mayas were a lot of, were a lot into balance and into the the, the four cardinal directions stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, I, I made I made the planes 
into something that made sense for for Maya uh, Maya cosmology. Mm. Uh, I incorporated the the entire you know the cyclical nature of the world of the Aztecs that the world is going to end eventually and you have to restart stuff like that. That's really neat. That's really yeah. cool. Yeah, I want to play in that world now. <laughs> <laughs> Should write that up and Did put you, that on the dungeon master. Well, and now that you're mentioning my, oh, you totally should put <laughs> yeah. that. Uh, there, there was. Did you see that recent story that there was a a, a newly found uh, city? Yeah, yeah, that was that, that's crazy. That <laughs> I know. Sounds like a D and D. The first thing I thought of was was I want to get the map of that city and like use it yeah. like somehow, right? Because yeah. they they were yeah. you know uh, uh, finding out all the streets and buildings and stuff. I was like, oh man, how cool to be to actually be set like I, I just even if it's a one shot like in that in that city. Yeah, and no one actually knows it because it's new. So you would be like, uh, hey, here's this thing <laughs> that <laughs> I totally made up. <laughs> but it's there. Recently discovered. Yeah, it's, you just dig it. Yeah. yeah. Well, that'd be a cool way to do it. Actually, be like you are an archaeologist sent there, and then like you get transported into yeah. there, like to time travel or whatever, to be like, oh, you're there now. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, one of the games that that I I have planned for the future, like not right now, because I, I kind of want to eventually push the the setting to a more modern time. Uh, and uh, one of them was like one of the ideas I have for a game is very inspired by the discovery of that ruin hmm. uh, because because it's crazy. I mean, what? Where was the ruin? Why didn't I mean we have satellites everywhere? <laughs> how, how did they see it? It's it's magic, you know. It yeah. is like magic. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. Gosh, there's so much to to mine there for for storytelling. No pun intended. Yeah. So much to <laughs> dig up. Oh. <laughs> That's really good. Um, so do you guys uh, feel, uh, I, I guess, I mean, I, I know you said you guys were, were, when you were playing first, you were playing like mostly with monsters and when you were kids and stuff like that. Is it yeah. more uh, expressive now or you got more into the story and the role play more than you are in combat? Like, yeah, how, do, how does that work? Well, it's, um, it's kind of a balance uh, because we are role playing for an audience, right? So... Yeah. Um, we have to have like uh, enough action for the people to, you know, get um, remain interested and be thrilled uh, about what what what's happening. You know, have stakes and stuff like that. Um, but uh, we it also needs to be very you know um, role playing focused at the same time because people want to care about the characters. Yeah. Um, so um, I mean, um, I mostly prefer like myself. Uh, personal preference. I I think uh, I like the the, the roles play the role play aspect a lot, um, but then we end up with this uh, you know this lulls in the story that uh, you know as as a both as a dungeon master and as a producer I say like well you know something needs to happen. I need to break this. You know that you guys are taking too much time talking about these rocks. So. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, I don't know any D and D players like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I think um, we we've been so far doing. Um, we've had like uh, a number of games, and this uh, this currently the the two games that we have are, are both D and D five E, and they're they're both more or less the same balance of uh, role play and combat uh, and mechanics. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but we used to have like other games uh more role play focused and uh, people liked it so um i i you know in the future i think uh, we we may go for for a more nar- narrative uh, style uh, game nice 
So I th- that's interesting what you were saying about when you're you're playing you're playing for an or you're you're role playing for an audience. Yeah. So as the dungeon master, does that does that feel mostly like your responsibility to keep in mind that there's an audience and that you're the one who has to move that story along and find that balance or do the players share that with you? Um I think I have well the players are are just awesome. I mean the the players they they're very aware of yeah. uh of the, the space they're in and um I mean my friend Omi uh, again he he knows he very specifically knows he's he's like playing for an audience and tries like to uh deliberately uh do like uh you know push the story forward yeah. and try to tries to uh make uh you know take risks and stuff like that and it also like um you know, fits into his character, and he tries to like like uh, increase it a little bit. Um, so uh, in that regard, I I don't think I have uh, well at least you know recently in the last year maybe um, I I don't think I've had to really move the story along uh, or you know cut a scene short or something like that because um, it's happening because it's yeah, organically because it's happening, happening. Okay. yeah yeah and I, I play uh, you know weekends I play with subs in the channel and uh, you know. That is a more relaxed type of game because we're not really. I mean, we're actually playing for, like, uh, for the subs playing to have fun, and you know, I, I don't like to push them around. You know, like uh, you, you need to hurry up or whatever. Um, uh, sometimes it happens. I mean, if if we we only have like four hours to play, I mean, I I, I usually end up doing a lot of uh, montages. Mm. Like, uh, if they take too long on a scene, then I'm I'm you know, I say. Uh, you know, we fade out and you're like six hours later because, I mean, you, you know, took too long to do this thing. So we need to move along. Um, it's a good time. But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, I haven't had to do it in, in a long time. Yeah. They've gotten better at it. Yeah. They've gotten better. <laughs> I, I've gotten better at it, too. Yeah. <laughs> and it's cool. Yeah. It's interesting to think like that the way that players or DMs role play in front of an audience is different than how like we would just be playing at home but oh, yeah, it shouldn't totally. but it shouldn't like everything you're saying like sh- would be great if it happened in your D&D game like your character you were like invested in your character and invested in the story and like doing things to like move that story forward and like yeah. there should be I feel like you could learn a lot about role playing and DMing by talking to somebody who DMs for an audience like these yeah. are these are best practices that everybody could employ in their games. I sometimes wish that people, uh, uh, you know, are playing, you know, at conventions or things like that. Think about it from a, how would this look to an outsider looking in right now? Uh, Because of this reason, like, you know, there's going to be a lot of downtime, a lot of, like, cyclical arguments. That's my favorite thing when people are like, we're just (laughs) arguing about the same thing for the last 15 minutes. I've had games like that where it's like, we've been here for an hour. I don't feel like anything. This nothing yeah. happened this session. Right. We didn't find anything. Yeah. We didn't talk to anyone. We didn't fight anything. <laughs> what have we done? We, we ate and snacks. That, and you could not do that if, if this was an if you had an audience. You would certainly be like, oh man, we got to pick. You this wouldn't up. have an like, audience. You'd be like, fade out and scene. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's yeah. true. That's a really I mean, weird way to look at it. Yeah, you, you become very aware, and um, you end up trying to. Um, you know, uh, the way I do it as, as a DM and, uh, you know, if anyone's listening that is interested in, in doing that, I'm sure a lot of people who pr- produce shows for, for this channel uh, know this. But, I mean, it's mostly about uh, vignettes, you know, it's like uh, yeah. we're going to do like a small scene and, and the focus of this scene. I mean, we, we need to accomplish this in this scene. If, if 
if this is not accomplished in whatever you know number of, of uh, you know whatever time we move on to the next scene and stuff like that um but you know when you're playing with um uh you know offline i don't know another word but like <laughs> when you're playing like uh, privately uh with uh with friends uh, one thing that always i think gets bugged down is like combat i think people end up like not knowing uh what to do in their turn and they're like uh you know it's your turn and they're like, oh, let me look at my like, look oh, at yeah. my spells and uh or someone was on the phone or something like that yeah. um and and that can't happen on on you know on on the shows because it's like we usually end up with a, a very short time and uh people know that was well, your turn you need to know what to do you need to know what to um uh what you want to accomplish which turn how, how your abilities work stuff like that right because um, it's the worst thing in the world when you're like oh let me just look this up for yeah, 15 I, I, minutes and, yeah right <laughs> Yeah. yeah, no, I don't do that. I usually just make a ruling on the spot, like uh, you know, this is how this is gonna work for this session, and then we we look it up, and it turns out it works differently later than when you know we're gonna use it differently later. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I don't like to to stop everything to look uh, at something. That's smart. So, are we your players? <laughs> do they have? Did they have a lot of experience playing D and D, or were any of them apprehensive? Like, I don't know enough. I don't want to be on camera, <laughs> like I would be. Well, mm, let me think. Um, most of them had already played before. Well, I, like I said, my friend Omi was, uh, you know, he was my first DM, so yeah. he, he knew. Um, but his wife, uh, Maluka, that was the first uh, time she played. What? And On camera? Yeah, on camera, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, and good for her. Yeah. I mean, she... she <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she she knows how to be on camera because she, she, she has a YouTube channel and... She does stuff for okay. uh, for Twitch and YouTube, but still, uh, it was like uh, it was a process, you know. It was yeah. uh, I, I I wasn't like the things I was saying before. Like you should know whatever. I, I wasn't right. like that with her at first. Like <laughs> yeah, it was the first. Thing I actually like the idea it. of it being a new player as an audience member to see like how yeah. they pick things up. Right. They probably have the same questions a new player yeah. would have. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and uh, well, I think I mean we we've, we've had a few guests. Uh, on the shows that is the first time they've played mm. um, and um, I, I can't remember the names in the top of the, of the top of my head but um, we, we also had a, a lot of subs in the channel that uh, show up for the sub games and then they uh, you know it's the first time they've played oh, that's cool. and uh, yeah the, the I you know I meet up with them one day before and I explain everything about the world I explain uh, how Things work in the in the in, you know with the character sheet and everything. I help them make a character, and then the next day we we play. And um, like I said, that is a more more relaxed version of the shows that we do. We also stream it, but um, it's kind of more relaxed. We have more time because it's on Sundays, mm. so it's it, we have like you know the entire afternoon as opposed to uh, the shows where we have a very specific three and a half hours to to do what you know what we need to do. So how did yeah, I'm just I'm curious to see like how the that fan, you know, sort of watching you guys play, and then it was like, oh, I'm a sub, I want to participate and play in this game, you know, and then I don't know. I just, again, I think it's just really cool that you're doing that because you're 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 bringing people in uh, to it being a 
uh, a forum where you can talk in your own language and, and play the game that you want to play in your own language. Uh, and then also these people may not, like you said, they might have come from a small town or something like that that they may not know how to, how to jump in and start playing. Uh, yeah. And do you feel that, like, you know, this is happening more and more? Like, this is, is this a thing that's happening more in, in, in Mexico and Latin America? Or is it... Uh, oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I think it's happening a lot more. I mean, I mean, there has always been a community in, you know, as far as I can remember on, on the Internet. I mean, that's where I learned how to play, right? But um, it's, uh, it's, it's gotten to the point where people are actually starting to look for... Um, you know, to participate in, in, in stuff like that and, and started to, to try to, because I, I'm going to ramble it a little bit. <laughs> because I, I have <laughs> seen okay. a lot of, I, I have seen a lot of games where, where they do this, uh, you know, we're going to play, uh, you know, on the, uh, on voice, voice chat, right? Yeah. We're going to play with voice and, uh, you know, we're going to, like we did back in 2000, you know, it's, and I'm starting to notice more people doing the the webcam and you know uh, streaming thing mm-hmm. uh, uh, because it's becoming more common and I think it adds like it adds a world of difference because uh, you know when when we play with the subs on Sunday I usually ask that like at the bare minimum I think you need to have like a, a camera and you know a, a somewhat decent mic um, because I think the camera is very important it, it like humanizes the whole thing it's it's very different you feel very different when you're aware that people can see your face and your expressions and uh, the way you move your hands um and yeah it makes it like i think it just erases like the barrier of the screen and Mm. it becomes like you know this face-to-face uh thing it's i think it's you know it's not the same as playing at the table because i mean let's be honest it's not yeah (laughs) but uh but it's close it's very close, yeah. It's very, yeah. very close. I mean, even just in, I mean, we just recently upgraded and have the video of the person we're talking to yes. for Dragon Talk. Yeah. So nice. And it's totally different, you know? Yeah, we yeah. used to have to you know, imagine what they were saying in yeah. our heads, and no one does that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. People hate imagining things, right? In your own head. <laughs> in your own head? <laughs> Dragons and magic. Who, no one imagines <laughs> that stuff. <laughs> Theater of the what? Well, that's uh, uh, yeah, and I and I think that's going to be the thing. It's like and we we recently found out here at Dungeons and Dragons that people, uh, for the first time, have gone into the game more often from watching you know people like you play and wanting to jump in than from uh, someone in their hometown being like, oh, hey, do you want to play this game? Like the way that you got your friends to play, you know, is happening less often now than people who are watching you or Critical Role or, or, or us on this channel uh, uh, playing Dungeons and & Dragons and wanting to jump in that way. So, like, not only is, is, is the online games that you're talking about, you know, allowing people to, to call in from different areas and letting people connect when they might not be able to connect, but then they're also like, oh, that's how they're discovering the game uh, way yep. more these days, which is insane for, you know, Luddites to think about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's great. It's like, um, I mean, without it, without the... Uh, Without the internet, without the possibility of playing online, I wouldn't have gotten, you know, to this point because I, uh, I mean, the, there was no way that I would have uh, gotten into Dungeons and Dragons if it wasn't because of, uh, you know, the internet and communities and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, l- like I said, I, I, I would go to the, the comic shop, but that was like much later, you know, after I had already uh, made a few friends and started playing online yeah. because that, that just wasn't a thing where, where I live and... Yeah, it was like very difficult to 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 find uh, people interested. Right, and then here we are, yeah. seven, eighteen years later. Yeah, yeah. Oh, like, yeah, it's hard to believe it was that I, long ago when you 
Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's been 18 years since third edition. (laughs) Yeah, it's a long time. (laughs) It is crazy. Well, uh, we've been talking about your channel and what you guys, what you do there. What? How can people find out uh, about what you do, both like on Twitter and what's your, what's your, give us your all of your deets. Uh, Yeah. Oh, you can find me pretty much everywhere as El Warius. El Warius. That would be in English. Uh, (laughs) Everything, everything I do is in Spanish. Uh, I also speak English, and I understand. So. If you want to communicate that, that's fine. But all my content is, is in Spanish. So um, if you speak Spanish and want to join the community, you're welcome. If you don't and also want to join the community, you're also welcome. So, yeah. Very cool. And, that, and it's the Elwarius is the Twitch channel as well. Yeah, everywhere. Yeah. All right. Makes sense. Uh, this is something I just popped into my brain. What? Was like, you know, I mean, I mentioned I took, I took Spanish. And I feel like I would l- have learned a lot more Spanish if I was watching people play Dungeons & Dragons in Spanish when I was, well, when I was uh, in school. You, you're invited if you want to watch uh, well, yes, sometime. Yeah. Right? <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, I have watched a bit of your channel and been like, huh, anyway, and I didn't delve into it like with my notebook <laughs> and my vocab yeah, thing yeah, yeah. open. But if I think if I did that, if that was like, man, Spanish teachers out there and, uh, uh, you know, make, the, make this a thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know I'm gonna... people who have learned yeah? English from like songs or movies. Yeah. I mean, they have like a friend of mine is from Italy, and he said he learned English from the Beastie Boys. Oh, he learned an interesting <laughs> vocabulary. So he, he, for he, only, sure. he only speaks in <laughs> rhymes, or he's like, "Yeah, it's weird." Don't do that, boo, <laughs> that, that, That's how I learned. I mean, it's mostly you know fiction, video games, uh, yeah. you know, movies, stuff like that. Yeah, that's how most of we learn. I think. Right. So most all of us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, cool. Well, thank you so much for calling in. It was always uh, uh, great to hear people from different perspectives. And yeah. uh, I, I hope the channel you know, keeps growing and, and uh, we'll have you on again and uh, get, get more insight. When's the next uh, storyline starting up for you guys? Uh, we're starting, I mean, we're currently this week, we're playing uh, the game that I was talking about, the, the, the homebrew game yeah. uh, with the, uh, with the uh, Mesoamerican culture. Um, and uh, next week, uh, we are be, we're going to be playing Curse of Strahd. So we kind of alternate between the two, uh, between the two games uh, week after week. Sweet. Uh, we play on Thursdays. Thursday nights. Thursday nights. Yeah. Sweet. Awesome. Yep. Well, thanks, thanks for again. having me. Thanks for coming on, Mario. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll we'll talk to you again soon. Oh, I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Right. Thank you. See you later. Bye. That was amazing. Yes. I, I feel like I know so much more about uh, uh, I don't know everything. I feel like I'm going to name my next D&D character Mario in his honor. <laughs> you should. Mario really Tushers. me that he wasn't allowed to have a character. I didn't even tell. My, my, my brother's name is Mario. Really? Yeah. Mario Tito? Mario Tito. Wow. Yeah, that's right. So uh, that's I, 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 it's a tribute to him. Maybe yeah. I'll name it. You know, that's why. Mario Tushus is yep. going to be your... Mario uh, T- Maybe I have another brother somewhere. <laughs> that's what I'll play. I'll play Mario Tushus. Yes. Comes, but he's evil. He's got like a, a, a mustache that is... Uh, yes, he's an evil Siamese tabaxi. You <laughs> 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 can sing that song and everything. That's so yes. cool. Yeah. I love it. That was really fun, though. Yeah. I'm excited to learn more about uh, uh, other different cultures and how they yep. play, and, and uh, it's, it's like a new, a brave new world for me. I haven't yeah. really done that before. And now I am curious how much I would, in my like 47 years of Spanish, that's what it feels like. It was really like Wait, eight. Wait, are you 47 years old? No. 
<laughs> it was like in a past life. Oh, I see. Carried over into this life. <laughs> um, but I would wonder how much I would pick up from his game. Yeah. Weren't we just speaking Spanish on the last? We were. Yeah, because yeah, we knew like a. Like I mean, I, I got I got some vocab, but that's about it. Like, yeah. I, I don't have like the full understanding, and I feel like La ropa. if I started to listen and pay attention way more, I would have I more of that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think you can do it. I think all of you uh, 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 high school students out there taking Spanish. It's good. Uh, it's a way to jump in. Yep. Faux show. Yep. Very cool. Yep. All right. So uh, is there any other fun stuff you want to talk about before we uh, we sign off? Because we got, uh, you know, we mentioned uh, Morning Canaan's Tome of Foes. It's coming. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was going to ask him if he was excited about that. But uh, we'll get we'll, when we call him up again, we'll, we'll ask him more about yes. that. Yes. Um, I've seen it, so he'll know exactly. Uh, the, by the time you listen to this, it'll already be have happened. But Neverwinter: Lost City of Omu is out on PC. Uh, you can jump into that. It's the end of that whole uh, yeah. Tomb of Annihilation storyline in Neverwinter. That is super cool stuff, and uh, we appreciate everybody who jumps into Twitch and subscribes. Thank you, everyone, for doing that. You are good folks. Uh, and now I feel uh, put to shame by uh, by Mario having his sub games. Maybe we a should lot. we should start doing that. Do you want to run a, run a sub game for 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 folks? I do not. Shelly's going to do it. All right, I, so that's a yes. But. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Rocks falling, y'all die. <laughs> well, Wait, we didn't even say where we're I'm from sorry. yet. Sorry, you just were like cutting and running. That was my game. That was your game. Yeah, everybody. We don't even have our rocks. I know. I have to knock over your uh, my you know, water, your water bottle. all the cords and wires. <laughs> I'll put the lid on real tight here. Yeah, nice. Uh, so D and D Beyond is always doing awesome stuff. You guys should check out and make your uh, new character Mario Two Shoes in D and D Beyond. Yeah, it's just that simple. It has a really good ring to it. Yeah, it really does. It does. Yeah, I think now I want to play it like for sure. Now oh. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna get rid of that other halfling yep. urban bounty hunter guy and right. jump right into Mario. Mario Two Shoes. We got like three rangers in that group, so I don't think we need more rangers. There's a lot. There's a lot. Uh, but as I was saying, uh, D&D Beyond has got amazing stuff in it uh, for making new characters. Uh, Unearthed Arcana characters are available to play in there a week after it's released on the website. Did you know that, Shelley? Yes, because I learned that from Dragon Talk. It's good stuff. All the stuff you learned from Dragon Talk, isn't it? Yep. Fill uh, up my brain pan. Yeah. And there is a lot of fun stuff coming for a mobile app. Isn't there a... In D&D Beyond. I don't oh. know if people know about that, but there is what? a mobile app coming down the pipe very soon. Seriously? Yeah. So no longer uh, – yeah. We'll, we'll give tons of information about that very soon, uh, and, and you'll get it. Dragon Plus? It will be here on this Dragon Talk here program. Do you got I anything think. new for Dragon Plus? It is coming out very soon. I don't expect a push notification. Yeah, actually, it is coming out today when as we're recording oh. this. Uh, but as you're uh, uh, going to be listening to this in, in March, it will already be out. So download Dragon Plus now. It is an app that gets you all the fun stuff that's going on in the Dungeons & Dragons world. Tons of articles, interviews, maps uh, of the week, as well as... Cool art, covers. Uh, cool covers, artwork you can't get anywhere else. Nice. It's good stuff. It is. Go check it out. Yes. Uh, it's on Android, on iOS, and available on the web at dragonmag.com. Amazing. Where can people find out about Access and Allies and Zombies? You, uh, <laughs> <laughs> right here in our office. <laughs> only, <laughs> Pretty only, much. Only place. On Scott Van Essen's computer. <laughs> He's got all the files. He's got all the files. Um, well, you should follow Avalon Hill on social media on 
Facebook at Avalon Hill Games or on Twitter at Avalon Hill 2, as in the number two. Number two. Number two. And you can um, follow me on Twitter at Shelly Moo, and I'll tell you all the good things about zombies. That's right. We didn't save the world. No. There's there's lots of zombies taking over. Uh, Scott walked by our board today, and he goes, oh, my God. <laughs> like, this is, the game is over, you guys. Like, I'm still trying to do my turn. I'm like, He's like, why are you uh, even doing this? Oh. <laughs> yeah. You're clearly. He's like, you guys count up yeah. how many territories were zombies. Yeah, it was fun. You guys can follow me. I'm at Greg Tito uh, on the Twitters. It's uh, clever. I'm also at Instagram, uh, uh, Greg underscore Tito. I posted a lot of pictures. From your uh, vacation. From my, uh, my trip to the San Juan Islands, so go check that out if you can. I'll be doing lots more of Dungeons Dragon stuff here in the office now that I'm back. Well, good. It'll be fun. Go, go follow me there. Um, and uh, if you, as always, you want to find out about uh, D&D, go to DungeonsAndDragons.com uh, or follow us on Wizards underscore D&D. Yeah. All right. That's all the fun stuff. Uh, I believe rocks fall, everybody dies. That was a boulder. Boulder.